Hey! Hey, everybody! You're listening to Lowest Common Phenominator. This is your host, Vanessa Gritton, and if you hear an AC, I don't care! <laughs> no, it is so hot today. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm Olivia Haidar, and I feel like I'm going to die at any second. Um, yeah, the amount of times that I've been so sweaty today, I've just crashed onto a floor or a bed and yeah. just said, I wish I was dead. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. I keep, cha- I've changed my clothes so many times. Death would be a sweet relief, uh, from this misery. And <laughs> also, like, we're taping a lot of episodes at El Rey right now, and it's, you, like, We've been recording since before the heat wave, so I didn't know what the studio right. was like on the inside when there was a heat wave, and then I felt the studio during a heat wave. And I'm pretty sure in that episode, you just see, like, my eyes stare off into the middle distance, yeah. and then the window shutdown noise happened from just the <laughs> heat, where it's just like, dinosaurs! <sighs> <laughs> you just dissolve into water like that r- racist senator from X-Men. <laughs> just do that. Uh... Uh, speaking of water, <laughs> I just stared off into the middle distance. Again. Yeah, oh boy, uh, I'm actually I like at, I am overcoming the heat because I am super excited to be doing a podcast about the movie that we're talking about today. It's one of my all time favorite movies, Resident it, Evil Four. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We're talking about Resident Evil. That one was called Afterlife. <laughs> Uh, no, we're talking about the 1998 Stephen Summer mo- motion picture, Deep Rising. Deep Rising, a movie that we both realized, like, I didn't know that you didn't know that I had seen it until we started watching it, yes, so then yeah. it was like an experience of us just loving all that it's movie. It's not a movie, usually I'm the person introducing people to that movie. Like, usually, like, it, because it, it did not do well, I mean, like, right off the bat, I want to say it's kind of, it's bombed at the box office. Why don't you give us a numbers perspective to start with how bad this movie did for how dope it is. It really is, like, it's such a, it was such a disappointment at the box office, and and watching it today, I'm absolutely baffled by how it did this poorly. Uh, But it cost $45 million to make, which is not a bad budget. Like, that's a pretty reason, especially in the 90s, that's like a a sizable uh, budget for, like, an original premise action movie type thing. Uh, And then uh, its domestic box office uh, was $11.2 million. So, yeah, uh, no one went and saw this movie. And uh, I didn't see it in theaters because it was rated R and I was only 11 years old. Uh, But I did watch it on VHS uh, as soon as it came out. And uh, I have been in love with it ever since. It's, it's, It's one of those movies that every time I watch it, it just stands the fuck up and it's just so entertaining. For me, um, I saw it about four or five years ago when I was at a party and talking about one of my favorite arcade games called Ocean Hunter. Okay. Um, and I almost gave you more of the description of the game, but because Dane was sitting next to us watching it for the first time, I didn't want to give away the oh, monster. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched it like, with someone who hadn't seen it before. Yeah, and I was going to be like, where I hunt the Kraken. Oh, it, like, I had to yeah. like, stop myself. But it was a game where you would like go underwater and you had like a little jet ski handle. Okay. And you'd be sitting on a jet ski. And it had a little gun in the front, and you'd, yeah. like, hunt the Kraken, okay. and you'd, like, hunt undersea. Yeah, that sounds like dope. That. And I described that, and re- when I said the word jet ski, the person at this party lit up. Yeah. Uh, and, sh- like, was, like, 
don't talk, sit down, I'm putting on Deep Rising. Yeah. And it was exactly why I love that fucking game. It's a tremendous, uh, tremendous movie. The jet ski was definitely, I mean, like, I think that's the icon. If anyone has any sort of image in their mind of Deep Rising, it's uh, them on the jet ski. And that was the... That was the VHS case that caught my eye, like a little kid in the in the VHS in the video store, and like uh, seeing this the the VHS cover, which is Treat Williams, Famke Jansen, Honest Jet Ski escaping an explosion, and I'm just like, oh, this looks this is dope. Yeah, I have to watch this. Uh, there's no choice. Yep. I have to watch this movie. It looks amazing. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I was, uh, I mean, you know, it was definitely, might have been a little too intense for me at 11, but, like, that's one of the things that I liked so much about it. Uh, there's a, there are some particularly, uh, disgusting, uh, physical gore scenes that are, like, uh, really gross. It's so fucking violent. It is, it's an extraordinarily violent movie. Uh, although, and, and this is something that I really only realized, like, really, like, consciously realized, uh, in recent viewings, but, like, for as violent as it is, none of the hero characters ever kill another person. Yep. They all, it's only monsters and assholes who it's kill people. It's so fucking comic book in that logic. Yeah. Which makes it more fun. It's really, and that's, like, the key thing for this movie, and, like, it's gonna be a key refrain going forward is... Uh, this movie just has such a light touch and is just so willing to have fun with its premise and like just ha- like enjoy the fact that it is a che- like there- it knows that it's going to be a cheesy fucking monster movie. Yeah. It's a monster movie. Like of course it like you know it's got to have some silly over the top moments and stuff and it revels in that. Yeah. Uh, it you know it's one of those movies that feels like uh, was probably. A hassle to make because of all the water involved and stuff, but, like, so much fun. Yeah, and, like, do-do-do-do, window shutdown sound. I was gonna... Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, It's one of those movies where, as I talk about it on a podcast, I'm angry that I have to talk about it on a podcast because I love it so much. Why haven't you watched it already? Yeah, honestly, (laughs) like, it is one of those movies that I... I I, I don't want to... Just go watch it! Go watch it! There are a lot of... There are a lot of these cult movies uh, that uh, didn't do well when they came out in theaters and and you watch them and they're really weird and you kind of get why they didn't make much money. Yeah. Uh, But then this one you watch and it's just... You should have been... It's such a crowd pleaser. Like, the whole movie is just, like, pumping you up the whole time. Yeah. Like, just, yeah, it, it, it is all, like, crowd build, build up and payoff. Build up and payoff with just, like, it, and a constant, like, a nonstop thrill ride, <laughs> which it really is. Like There are antics and they ensue? Yes, it's true. And, like, it, yeah, it, it, it wants you to have fun watching it. And it so earnestly is just being like, look, look at this. This is so, this is cool. Look how gross that is. Oh my God. Look, look at, isn't that badass? Isn't this funny? Like, it just is, it's like a little puppy dog of a, of a disgusting action horror movie. It's, it's like if, not current Chris Pratt, but like chubby Chris Pratt on Parks and Rec, if Burt Macklin like (laughs) wrote a movie and he was just like, so you're on a boat, <laughs> and then the camera punches in, 
rich casino. Yeah. There's an air of mystery. It's like if Burt Macklin wrote It's a high giant... society on the high seas. <laughs> it, and then he, like, puts on his sunglasses, and then... But they didn't know what was coming to him. It's... And then a lady gets sucked down a toilet. <laughs> it's exactly that. Uh, it's so... It just is, like... It's, it is just pure joy to watch. Like, it's one of those movies where, like, I can't watch three minutes of it and then stop watching. Like, if I see any amount of this movie, I have to, I have to go back watch it all the way through. Like, I just have to see it. It Like, it's just so... It's so satisfying on just such a pure level. At just even on, like, a basic filmmaking level, which I think is something that was really taken uh, for granted. Yeah. In uh, in the 90s, which is one reason why maybe it didn't perform so well, which is it is not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this kind of super, like, action sci-fi horror thing. Like, it's just, like, it is just doing a solid, like, just riff on it and just enjoying the ride. Yeah. And just, like, trying, and, yeah, just pumping your pumping the gas the whole time. Pumping the gas. I just, I just get so happy when I think about Deep Ride. It really is, like, one of those things that just makes me so warm and fuzzy inside this fucking movie. Like, I just love it. Like, and so, let's see. Uh, I think first, well, okay, as, I think, well, let's talk about the plot of the movie. Yeah. Right? We should talk about the plot. Because, like, where, where the fuck is uh, And, but, and in doing so, we will get to the supporting cast of this film is one of the most insane supporting casts uh, of any film. It's, it's so nuts. And it's everybody, like, way before they ever. It's such a selling point for it. <sighs> it's so good. Like, you go back and you're like, oh, hey, I know all of these people. You've all done something now. Yeah. They've either were in something big beforehand or they went on to become like either big stars or really reliable character actors. Yeah. So like, okay. So the basic premise of Deep Rising. Okay. So the Here premise of Deep Rising is in the South China Sea, there are uncharted trenches. This is the opening crawl. <laughs> There's an opening fucking crawl that's just like, Deep in the South China Sea are yep. uncharted trenches. No one knows what go- what's there. Vessels disappear. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. It's, <laughs> you saw up? You saw the things about the subways? There you go. Yeah, it's, this, it's, just, like, it's just like the beginning of Us, which is uh, like... I said up. You did say up. And I'm, I was g- not even going to acknowledge it. I was going to brush right past They're it. They're both devastating. That's true. Very both emotionally fraught, but, uh, and, but also funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, the I was gonna let you go. It was good. Like, it was gonna be fine. I needed to address it. It's okay. It's it was it was the elephant in the room. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, like at the beginning of us, there's the there's the opening info about like the the subways and the under abandoned tunnels underneath the U.S. and it's that same sort of vibe. I just love I love when a movie begins like that. It just yeah. it's like it's letting you know, hey, you know, the world's weird. <laughs> like, this is happening. There's big stuff going on. It's vaguely mysterious. It doesn't mention what the beast... It's not, like, directly related to what the monster is. It's just, like, this place... This part of the ocean is creepy. Yeah. 
so yeah, and then and then there's like some first person shots underwater. I I the, that part barely even registers. Yeah. I'm just riding high on the on the crawl. <laughs> uh, and then we immediately go to this ragtag crew of mercenaries. They're scrappy. They are a scrappy trio. So scrappy, you'd think they'd be in space. Ah, uh, they are. Uh, <laughs> they're in this amazing armored boat. Like, it's like, it's, it looks like it's that, got that Millennium Falcon thing, which is definitely going for it, where it like, it's like, quote, a piece of shit. But it's our piece but of shit. But it's so cool. Like, so Treat Williams is, You uh, heard that right. Treat, Treat Williams, Williams. Treat Williams is your action hero in this movie, which is not a sentence that you hear very often. No, nope, but you should have. Uh, and originally they wanted to get Harrison Ford to play this part. No. Which... Man, like, it makes sense because of what kind of character he is, which mm. is just kind of this, like, smooth, like, not smooth talking even, but just, like, smart aleck, almost. Like, what, like, how would you describe, he's just charming. He's, like, your favorite boss if he was a superhero, where it's just kind of like, good job there, tiger. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he he has that kind of Indiana Jones thing to him. But where it's he's not kinda, even, like, cocky. He's just kind of fed up with this shit that he has to put up with. Oh, brother. Uh, and so, like, you get why they would want Harrison Ford, but, like, if you're thinking, like, late 90s Harrison Ford, that is, like, some of the worst Harrison not Ford. Not a good Ford year. It's it's a bad period for him, and I just, I think he, he wouldn't have the same energy. He wouldn't be as much fun. Yeah. Like, it, it the role would be much more dour if it went. And then, and of course, there would be no chemistry with Famke. Can you imagine <laughs> Harrison Ford with Famke Jansen? Like he'd be steamrolling her. So creepy, uh, or just giving nothing. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like that—that that was what he would do. Like so often, especially in the late nineties, is he's just like on autopilot yeah. the whole time. Uh, so I'm so glad that they went with Treat Williams, who is astounding. He was in t- the two uh, like. The substitute two and three. He wasn't the first original substitute. That was Dolph Lundgren. He replaced Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Which, like, okay, yeah. so okay, we can't get Dolph Lundgren for the substitute director video sequels. Who do we got? Treat, treat Williams. Williams. <laughs> Hell yeah, treat. Have you seen Hair? Well, <laughs> remember Burger? That's Treat Williams. Uh, and then treat, and then he went on. Then basically, after Deep Rising was a total flop, uh, he just became like a TV dad. Which, it, like, we it, could have gotten a few more action years out of. He had so much potential. He was Nathan Fillion before there was a Nathan Fillion. He totally is a proto Nathan Fillion. Like this whole movie, like that, the whole premise of their crew is very much a pre Whedon Firefly. Where it's like it's basically Firefly. Yeah, where he's Mal, and then you've got like the you know, and he's got his plucky sidekick Joey Pantucci, uh, played by Kevin J. O'Connor, who is ugh, what a treasure Kevin J. O'Connor. We're is. so blessed with him in this I, movie. He's a he's a blessing in this movie, but honestly, whenever he's in a movie, I'm always just so happy. Yep. Uh, he was uh, for people who maybe don't know, he was. He pl- actually had a very similar role in the Stephen Summers movie, The Mummy, uh, where he was like the plucky sidekick yep. also, but he was playing an Egyptian. It was really weird. Uh, and But he was also in, uh, for the more high-minded people in our audience, uh, he was uh, the, quote, brother 
from There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Uh, which he's amazing. That whole yeah. subplot is you so give him good. any. Oh a movie, B movie. He just, like, fucking rolls. He jumps in, and he just, you know, has no, like, filter. He's just going in and, like, giving his all to whatever bullshit that you give him. Yeah. Like, he'll turn shit into something fun. And, like, Joey could easily be so annoying. Yeah. Like, really easily. Give him to someone who isn't as talented. Polly Shore. Yeah. To- like, yeah, Polly Shore would be the worst, like, uh, very typical of the period like yeah. bad casting for that or like yeah there's there's a bunch of people where you could be like making noises in the background yeah, like rob schneider get him in there uh. like there's so like but like he even with the same lines like they just wouldn't work but there's something about he's got that perfect mix of you either want to punch him or uh, hug him. Protect him. Or protect protect him, him from the world. Like, he's just like, he, he he's perfectly knife-edge balanced where you can have a running joke through the movie where everyone hates him and wants him to die and, like, hits him in the face and, like, hates him the entire movie. And that's a running joke. But then also, you're, like, totally emotionally invested in him because of... Why him? Because of his, <laughs> and his and Tree Williams' relationship... Uh, and he plays Finnegan, True Williams does. Yeah, because it's Their relationship is so nice. It's, everyone finds this guy annoying, but this is my best friend. Exactly! It's such a good dynamic, and, like, they make such a good little comedic team when they're together. They're just a good foil for each other. Because he, you know, Treat Williams is serious, but he's got, like, he can play the straight man, but he always is kind of winking. He's like the dad that laughs at the stupid shit his kids do. Yeah, and he's got a very open face, and so you're con like he's never really able to a lot of face on trees. Yeah, so even when he's like giving like Joey shit, he's still like you see how much he loves him on his face the whole time. It's so good, uh, and he is uh, Joey is in a relationship uh, with. Uh, Layla. Layla, I'm bringing you down, uh, played by a model named Una Damon, who's a South Korean model, and um, who hasn't really been in much, but she's very fun. She's a fun, spunky chick. Like, yeah, yeah. it sucks. She, she. Spoiler alert: She's the first like character to die, which is they set her up for so much. Yeah, I would have loved to have her in the whole movie. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer that she dies for. Like, if I had to like name my least favorite thing about the movie it's probably that i yeah. really don't like that she dies first there was so much set up where i wanted to see more from her and yeah. more with her and joey i love their their relationship is really sweet like it's very yeah. cute it's and very, believable like, sweet co-workers yeah and like they're friends yeah and like i feel like we had so many other like red shirt types that could have gone first yes yeah before and they, Layla. and and once things start happening they start, people start dying. They drop like flies. Quick. Uh, but we should, uh, so what's happening is, so these, those are our three main crew. Those are the crew of the shitty ship. <laughs> and they're like mercenaries for hire. And they have been hired on a don't ask, don't tell job. Uh, happy Pride Month. Yep. Uh, they've been, uh, tasked, uh, by this crew of, uh, degenerate mercenaries, like, uh, Guns for hire, basically. We all do games. It's just like this motley crew of assholes who are just like sociopaths. And uh, the fucking 
the murder. It's a murderer's row. It is like an insane group of people. Like so, they're led by Wes Studi, who's a terrific character. I actor, love Wes Studi. Who's been in, he's been in a million things. Like I, I couldn't even begin to list all of them. But he always plays kind of a hard ass. He's very good at like just a fucking the hardest motherfucker that you've ever encountered. He was, you know, he was very good in, and this is not, this is a show that many people. Uh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Whoa. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. All right, spicy. So, well, it was very spicy. Uh, so, Wes Studi, he was in the... <laughs> Wes Studi? Uh, he was... It exploded. So, did you, did you watch the show, that it, the NBC show, Kings? Why you are stuck laughing? <laughs> you were just giggling like a fucking child about your belch. <laughs> I was listening. <laughs> but you kept laughing. It's so funny. Uh, okay. I am so bad. <laughs> holding that I'm not laughing. It is, it, we, like, again, it is so hot. <laughs> it's I don't know where I am. The, the air conditioning is going, but it's not at the right angle to like help us here. Uh, so, only if you're right in front of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, the NBC show Kings. Have you heard of it? I have. Don't edit any of this out. I'm though. not. This stays. Okay. This builds ambiance. Better. Uh, so okay. Uh, there's this show Kings that was like in 2007 or 2008. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm trying to talk about Kings. <laughs> this is the deep rising episode. <laughs> that is when I'm going to talk about there Kings. Was a deep belt rising in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is gonna the be world our... is dying. This feels like the world it is really, dying. Yeah, this is it, like oh, this it, is everything is gone in ten years. Right? Yeah, this is what everything is gonna. Every day is gonna feel like in like thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like laughing and crying about climate change because uh. I fucking burped. <laughs> Uh, we just captured on audio what it sounds like when a person is like dreading the end of it all but realizing this is the signs of it happening <laughs> i'm actually crying <laughs> so, show, oh my God. so nbc's kings on it i can't go into it i honestly like at this point the moment like i just it, it's not worth it i just want to say that show was weird as fuck okay no you show. know what i'm gonna i want to talk about kings yeah okay kings deserves its moment because we're never gonna do an episode on it but man did you so did you watch kings with ian mcshane yeah i watched a little bit of it and it what was it trying so it, I liked it, but what was it trying to be? It was doing it was such a crazy idea and it only aired for six episodes. And then there NBC was like, No! Get rid of it. What are like, you doing? I remember when I got to like the fourth episode being like, Oh man, I can't wait to finish out the season and my buddy being like, There's two left. Yeah. I And then just not watching the rest. Uh I watched it with friend of the show, Luke Fantress. Uh, as it aired in 2008 or whatever. And we both really liked it. Even, but like, it is, it is a mind-boggling, insane show. And for the people who don't know, the premise of the show, 
was it was a retelling of the story of King David. Yep. So starting with David versus Goliath mm-hmm. and then him moving to the city and like getting to work with the uh, with uh, fuck it, I can't even remember the na- any biblical king names. Whoever King David was Solomon. started in it. I think it might have been Solomon, yeah. but I feel like it wasn't Solomon. I should know this. I studied uh, theology. But yeah, uh, and that king is played by Ian McShane. But like it's set in a modern alternate version of New York. So like the city is taking so the the biblical story of David is taking place in an alternate modern fantasy reality. And it it's just like the most bonkers tale take on the Bible. And I fucking loved it. And I was like, this is how I want to hear Bible stories. Is yeah. like taking it like a comic book <laughs> and then just like being like, what if the X-Men were in the 1600s? <laughs> and it, that's what this, and, and it had fucking Ian McShane, uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin was in it. Uh, and Wes Studi was in yep. it. He played one, like the main general in the army who was like militarizing. Yeah. And <laughs> the David versus Goliath fight was him fighting a Goliath tank. <laughs> It's uh, right there. And, uh, uh, but yeah, and then Brian Cox was in it too as like the devil or something. It was amazing. Which Brian Cox is the devil is not. It was literally like, it, he was like, it was like, whoa. He was like revisiting. I'm getting so hyped up about Kings. So on this episode, we're only going to talk about Kings. He was basically revisiting his role from Manhunter as Hannibal Lecter, uh, at, but playing it like the devil. But anyway. Kings, weird fucking show. Yeah. Really weird. I don't think it's I don't think it's even possible to watch anymore. <sighs> I'm never gonna know how it ended. Yeah, I mean, no. But like uh yeah, because NBC is just like, no, no, that we we did not make a modern fantasy version of a Bible story. That definitely never happened. <laughs> uh fucking loved it. Anyway, Wes Studi was in it, and he plays the leader of this crazy mercenary crew. Because we're talking about Deep Rising. Deep Rising, we've, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking about Deep Rising the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, West Duty's the leader. But then this <laughs> it's a fucking murderer's row of people in this crew. So, you got Jason Fleming, who's a great British character actor. Yep. Uh, you got Cliff Curtis, who's a, like, a lovely man. A Maori actor who has been has gone on to have like a really great career. Yeah. Uh in you know usually in smaller roles and stuff but like always I'm always happy when Cliff Curtis shows up. He's I like him in everything. He's amazing in Sunshine, which is a movie that we're definitely going to talk about oh, at yes. some point. Uh he's so good in Sunshine. He plays like the psychiatrist. So great. Uh who else? You got Clifton Powell as Mason, <sighs> Academy him. Award nominee Clifton Powell. Uh you have Trevor Goddard as T-Ray who played Kano in Mortal Kombat the year before this movie and came out. And he's basically see Kano now. He is playing Kano in the movie, and he dies, like, second. <laughs> he Actually, he might be... Does he die before... No, she dies first, and Layla dies first, and then him. Uh, and then rounding it out uh, is Jaimon Hansu, who is a fucking tremendous actor. Tremendous actor, and also I'm like, oh, this is definitely him coming off of modeling, because he Yeah, looks... he was a model, like, he, he'd been in a couple things, he was in Stargate, but that was a mostly nonverbal role yeah. in Stargate. He's, he's a, a tr- like, a amazing, like, he is one of the most striking looking human beings on the planet. I think this is why he's always playing heroes and villains, because yeah. there's no way 
He could be a passerby. Oh, yeah, no. He's either (laughs) strongly a villain or strongly a hero. There is nothing... Who's that extra with the perfectly symmetrical, beautiful face? Who's that extra (laughs) where when the light shines off of his face, look like he is bathed by the moon? Yeah, he's literally just... A ray of sunshine. I love Jaimon Hans. He's so, he's so wonderful. When he's in a scene, he's the only thing you're looking at. Yeah, I love him. Uh, I, and he, he's gone on to have, like, again, another guy who I couldn't list all of his credits. He's been in a million fucking things. He voiced this Black Panther motion comic before there was an, even an inkling of the movie happening. This was, like, way back when, like, the first Iron Man had just happened. Yeah. And uh, he did an excellent job of T'Challa. Uh, that makes sense. He well, he would have been a like he's too old now, but he would have been a tremendous uh, Black Panther. Yeah, like, I got and I actually I managed to get that because yeah. of that motion comic. He right. was a great Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, if if they'd made that that movie like ten years ago, then he totally would have been it. It would have been great. Uh, he should be. I hope he's in the sequel. Because he, he wasn't in Black Panther, was he? No. Oh fuck! He can't be. God he can't damn be. it! He is being wasted. Yeah. In the fucking, as, like, nobody out in the, out in space. Yep. Ugh. Because he was on the, uh, in Guardians. Well, yep. yeah. He's so good in Guardians. Like, I like him in Guardians a lot. And he's, like, nothing in Captain Marvel. That movie is not great. Uh, but, like, man, he's just, like, he's wasted out there. I want, he should be in, in, like, the thick of it. I love Jaiman Hansu. Uh, so yeah, so that's the, that's the crew. They're like a, they're, they're a bunch of scoundrels. They make, uh, T-Ray's got seasickness and they have a fun scene where Jaiman Hansu's like talking about eating elephant eyeballs and shit and making him throw up. Jaiman! And, uh, Cliff Curtis is always horny. They all have like one character trait. Yeah. Horny. Mean. Uh, and then there's Billy. mean. There's Billy who's young. Yeah. Uh, he's, Billy dies. That's what Billy's, uh personality trait is uh so there's this like highly militarized uh group of fighters they go in uh joey is like snooping around in their in their cargo and sees that they've got like a million missiles there's so many like when you look around when they have a shot of like all of the missiles racked up along the walls you're like Jesus Christ, you'll fight a whole, a whole war with all those missiles. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jaimon Hansu catches him in there in a fun fun little moment. And uh, they they threaten to kill him. Uh, and then there's a fun standoff with Treat Williams where you kind of get a sense of him being a badass. He's got that triple harpoon launcher. <laughs> it's so dope. <sighs> what a it's like it's such a It's such a cool, like, pirate weapon. <laughs> like, it just fires. Because he's three, space pirate. Three quick harpoons. Yeah, he's like a modern pirate. Uh, and so yeah, and then it, so then we cut to uh, the boat, the casino, the casino cruise ship, the Argonautica, uh, which is this um, uh, huge luxurious. It was actually a giant model as well as like CGI for yeah. the exteriors. And then a bunch of really giant, really nice looking sets on the inside, just like, and when it's like active, it's like the most over the top, like stereotypical quote, oriental themed, like, it's Canto thing. Bite. <laughs> it totally is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, there's like the nice little intro shot where there's the guy smoking outside and then he 
flicks his cigarette out and goes back in and the music hits. It's, and then casinos and hedonism yeah, and waitresses so kissing. And, yeah, it's great. Uh, it, it just is, it really sets up like, oh yeah, these are a bunch of rich assholes. It doesn't really matter if everyone dies. <laughs> It's like, who cares? You, you get it. And the, so the, uh, not the captain, but like the guy who owns the boat is Anthony Heald. Yep. Who play, uh, everyone would Scorny know him. little fucker. He is the weaseliest actor who's ever lived. Uh, he's perfect at it. Uh, I think he's most famous for playing, uh, Frederick Chilton in the Hannibal movies. Yep. Uh, in Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon. Uh, he's very good in that role. Like, that role was made for him. He's it's supposed cr- to be that little Although I will weasel. say, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to blank on his name. Uh, uh, Raul Esparza. Raul Esparza plays him in the Hannibal TV show and is incredible. He has a whole other take on him. But uh, Anthony Heald, so he's like the slimy owner of the casino. And then you've got Famke Jansen, Who's playing like an international jewel thief in <sighs> or, a red dress with her hair? Yeah, up. she she's just like slinking through this party. She meets, she bumps into the captain and like pickpockets his key card. And what I love is it's like they set her up to be one of the bourgeoisie, and it's like, yeah. nope, she's hiding among you. She's exactly. a scrappy thief. Exactly. She's yeah, cosplaying as you people. She, totally. She like she's dressed up to the nines. She looks great, but like she is totally undercover, just there to steal yep. whatever's in the vault. I don't think they ever even talk about what's in the vault. No, because she's just a sneaky thief that wants jewels. But like that's like the thieves who are coming want the vault and she wants the vault all you need to know is that there's stuff in there that pe- that's valuable that people want it's i don't expensive. think they even are like a uh, hundred million dollars in bear bonds or whatever your classic like action movie yeah. um uh you know item is uh it's just like a vault you you want what's it, whatever's in the vault you want it uh so the uh they uh, she tries to break into the vault but the captain and uh and anthony healed uh, stop her, and he slaps her, which just proves that he's such a... It's just like a... You know, little weasel like, bitch. What a fucking asshole. And the captain stops him, so you're like, okay, that guy's cool. <laughs> it's just all That super, guy's line is that. Super quick, efficient character setup. And, like, this is all in the first 30 minutes, and it's just taking its time. There's no monsters. There's no nothing. Uh, it's just setting up where everybody's at. And, like, she gets thrown into the... They don't, the brig isn't done, so she gets thrown into the kitchen. Uh, and, uh, you know, like the lock in freezer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then the, then the monsters attack. So then, uh, you've got the, the tremendous scene where there's the radar guy <laughs> the, reading the radar in, in, on the cabin. Uh, and the engines have been, th- have been stopped. Spoiler alert, Anthony Heald's a spy, and he, yeah. and, he, and he stopped the engines. And you've got this amazing thing where there's, like, I don't know who the radar operator is. It's just some guy. And he, but he's great, and he's just counting off something coming up from the depths of the ocean. And as he's counting up, it, it'll, like, cut to, you got the beeping of the thing, and then it cuts to, like, the music going wild and the hedonism in the in the casino and it's just building and building and building and then it hits and then like everything goes to shit and uh everyone starts running and stampeding it's again exceedingly violent like all all of the panic scenes are like really visceral because people are like stampeding over each other and shit and like uh, trampling people to death 
it it's awesome and the trampling to itself isn't like oh a lady fell it's like no foot to head yeah a lady like, fell and then people ran on her yeah <laughs> to where there's a lot of moments where i'm like man these extras yeah are acting seriously uh it's really there's lots a really good it's like a good disaster movie pan like uh panic scene uh, and then it cuts from that, and then a woman runs into the bathroom, and it has what I would say is top three greatest scenes in the history of cinema, probably. I feel like it's fair to say. Sets up exactly uh, what it needs to set up. Where uh, you have the uh, the lady runs into the bathroom for safety, uh, and hears the sounds of panic outside, hears, hears weird movement sounds. Yep. Uh, all around, and then get sucked down a fucking toilet. <laughs> and you see it in the reflection of a yeah. mirror, so you're not quite sure what sucked her and down the takes toilet. And it time, and she's, like, freaking out. She pulls the faucet off of the sink, and which makes water start spraying everywhere, and then blood sprays on the mirror, and she just gets plop, sucked straight down into the toilet. So good. What a great, what a great monster. Where it's an scene. immediate shift, where yeah. it's just like, Fuck this environmental shit. We're dealing with a beast. And then that's it. And, like, when we last leave the ship before the actual, like, the guys get there, like, everyone, everyone's still alive. Like, you don't know, you don't, there's not a long scene of, like, everyone getting killed or whatever. It's no, like you it just all, find the aftermath. Yeah, exactly. You get a little taste and then it goes, yeah. And so the cuts back and they, they get to the ship and they, they do a fun rappel up and there's always banter, you know, uh, Joey's like uh, after they repel, they use these like really cool auto repelling grappling hooks or something to pull them up. And uh, Joey's like, "That was that's fun. my nickname. That was fun." Oh, auto repelling! They grappling. call me the old auto repelling grappling. Yeah, hook. you know the old auto repelling grappling. I make you want to leave, but I'll drag you in hey. with me. <laughs> Anyways, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the- oh yeah, they hit a speedboat. That's the main thing. So the boat's all fucked up. Uh, that's, like, the main thing. So they have to go to the machine shop to try to get yeah. parts to fix the And it's the not boat. even quite a speedboat. It's, like, a lifeboat. Yeah, it was, it, well, it was, like, uh, their lifeboats are speedboats. Like, oh, right, they're that rich. It had, yeah, it had, like, an engine and a propeller. Like, yeah. they find the propeller in Yeah, it took good, me a second. Lot, good explosion when yeah. that happens. Like, a fun fun time. Uh, they And they're putting a torpedo launcher on the thing. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they repel up and then they go in, uh, they kind of split up, go into the machine. One group goes to the machine shop, the other group goes to the vault. Uh, oh well, first they kind of walk around the empty cruise ship and they're like, "Where the fuck is everybody?" Yeah. Uh, and they've got these crazy assault rifles that are like never ending bullets. They're first of all, yeah. Where do got, the bullets go? They've got infinite ammo. Uh, you can clearly see on the gun where the clip would go in a real gun, and it they just does has nothing. Uh, it's just infinite ammo, and they're these crazy, like, revolving barrel, like a minigun, almost. Uh, and it just, uh, they, they get shocked, they get scared at one point, and they, they start shooting this, like, firework or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then there, there, there's a really fun moment where they're, like, they kind of pause and, like, look at the guns, they're like, wow, these guns are cool. And then they start shooting the guns And you know what kind of fun-ass movie this is. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a very fun, stupid little moment. Uh, but it sets up the tone so well. It's really great. And, like, again, we're we're in... It, this is all build up. Like, you don't see 
what the monster even kind of looks like until almost an hour into the movie. Yeah. Which is perfect. Like, that's what you want out of something like this. And, like, so, you know, uh, so uh, Finnegan and uh, Joey go to the uh, machine room. Joey. (laughs) Sorry, you can't even say his name without being like, Joey. Joey. The Tooch. Pantucci. Love him. He's the real Tooch. He is the Tooch. Uh, he's just a just a Toochin guy. Uh, and he, they go to the machine shop. There's a great little bit where he's trying to open a peanut. It's such a good, it's quiet of, moment. I, it's again, it's one of these scenes that there's a few of them throughout where it's like it takes this, time to establish their relationship. Yeah, this has nothing to do with the plot or moving the action forward. It's just like letting them be friends where yeah. they're, they're having this weird, funny little back and forth about a peanut because why would i care about them if yeah, they didn't exactly and then, he, and then he drops the peanut into the water and there's a great little bloop, like a really loud sound magnificent effect. so good uh you get a little bit yeah and then uh let's see t-ray dies t-ray. He, he gets he gets he gets sucked down to the that's the main thing in the first hour People just are like Picked in off. the water and they get sucked down really quick. That's you don't really have an idea of what it is. Yeah, you just see people get sucked down. And like that's what happens to, unfortunately, Layla before that even happens. Layla. Yeah, cut, there's a couple scenes of them on the boat. She's trying to repair it and she gets eaten. Uh, and then you don't see Billy get eaten, but you do see him get uh, digested later on. <sighs> like... You see, the digestion scene is what you perfectly called out is like, oh, this is why he got the mummy. Uh, uh, <coughs> totally. Be- it's very mummy-ish. Because it's a but human. grosser. Yeah, it's like a human in the process of being dissolved by stomach acid. Yeah. So you're like, and it it shows you just enough to really like give you a little taste of everything. Because like, you see the front of his head and it's gruesome. And then he turns his head and you see it it's dissolving so... around the top of his eye. And you see brain and jaw on the top it's of the so eye. It's so gnarly. And then he lifts his hand to scream for help. Yeah, and, and you see through his hand. He's looking through the hand. Like, it's such a great blend of practical and CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, ju- it works really. It's disgusting. I mean, we're, yeah, we're, uh, we're jumping ahead. But that is like, that's like the standout disgusting moment. Yeah. Uh, T-Ray dies, uh, Cliff Curtis unfortunately dies, uh, he he was not a very big actor at the time, (laughs) it's just one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, he could have totally stayed in the movie, he could have We just didn't know that yet. Yeah, we didn't know it, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the team, oh, oh, and so, uh, the other team gets to the vault, uh, and that's where they find Famke Jansen, because she's trying to get back into the vault. And uh, they, uh, Jaimon Hansu opens the vault door and gets immediately axed in the fucking face. It sits in deep. It is one of the most tremendous death scenes I've ever seen. (laughs) It's, and his face, like, his eyes go wide, his his teeth are, like, big and white. The way he falls back. He, like, instantly goes into this giant scream. But, like, silent, and then he falls and dies because he's got a, a giant axe in his head. Yeah. And it's so great. And Anthony Heald killed him uh, because he thought he was a, a monster. Uh, Sorry, I just realized there's a one giant continuity error. What? And it's right at the end. Well, really? That ties in here. Because Anthony Heald looks at Fomke Jansen and says, I've never killed anyone before. No, but he says on purpose. 
okay. Tight. Yeah. I'm always really I, stoned. Also, for the people at home, I know this movie word for word. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen this movie so many times. Cool. Uh, but yeah, no, he, he says, I've never killed anybody before. On purpose, that oh, is. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please give me, please let this movie stay perfect in my mind. There's not enough moving parts for there to be too many plot holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. For how much is happening, it's like A, B. Oh, yeah. And it's C. And that's what, like, I think that's something that really stands to be emphasized is how this thing moves. It. Just like every scene has momentum, even if it's just a nice little, like a dialogue scene or like a funny back Everyone's and forth. going in a direction. It's just all pushing, 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 especially once they get to the ship and are investigating the ship. It's just kind of nonstop action. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're not, not, it's, I want to say it's nonstop action, but Stephen Summers is incredibly good at knowing when to settle, just completely just take a break. And everybody calm down and and listen and talk and just, like, collect ourselves before moving on to the next thing. Yeah. So, like, very quickly, uh, I think, Fam- oh, Famke Jansen runs off on her own and goes into the elevator and hits Joey in the face with her shoe. Real hard. Which is, again, a, a running joke. And then she, like, says something really mean. About his face. Yeah, where he's, like, she's, like... Yeah, I'll break more than your nose, and not that anyone would notice or whatever. And he's like, where is this coming from? He always reacts with such genuine hurt to whenever someone is just needlessly mean. I don't like you. You don't even know me. Yeah, that's an earlier scene. It's so good. Yeah. You don't even know me. (laughs) And Uh, it's such a, like, uh, oh, they ran into each other now because it's like, she's scrappy. And then you have Treat Wilson, where it's just like, he appreciates scrap, and then they literally fall into an embrace with each other. Yeah, it's nice. And they, they never overplay, I think, any sort of sexual... They're role. amused by each other. Yeah, they have a fun repartee. <laughs> it's nothing like... It's it's not overtly sexual through most of it, which I appreciate. It's not, we're gonna fuck. And they do... It's, yeah. I, it's like, you know... I, I like the way you survive. They kiss at the end, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it's like a great like it's not like the culmination of a love story it's just like oh my god i can't believe we're both alive yeah. like let's fuck this is amazing we're we're both alive i mean not dying is the plebeian molly it really i mean yeah it's the original aphrodisiac it's what all, kept all the cavemen fucking yeah because how else are you gonna fuck a caveman think about it gross not fun uh <laughs> So, okay, so there's a fun little chase scene. You don't, I'm all, yeah, you don't really see, uh, oh, there's, everyone gets into the elevator. They listen to the girl from Ipanema. No, that, that was like a trailer line. Uh, and they, they go into this room that is just filled with digested skeletons. Which is very gross. It's it, a beautiful practical. It's, yeah, the practical effects, we should say, were done by Rob Bottin. Uh, who did the the practical effects for The Thing and RoboCop. It shows! Yeah, it's, like, the production values in this thing are amazing. Like, uh, I, I've said it before, like, I was saying this before, but, like, if this movie were made today, it would be, like, a John Wick-style smash success. We want to go bigger and bigger every yeah, time. because, like, it... Like, it's not the same kind of movie. Like, it's not that kind of... It's an action movie, but it's not that kind of hyper. But it's so genre-specific. Exactly. It's it's playing with all of these different genres at the same time in a way that I think people 
weren't really ready for in 1998, as weird as it sounds. Yeah. Like, The Matrix kind of primed people to expect genre elements in their action movies more and, like, expect things to be nerdier. And, like, since 2000, like, culture as a whole has gotten nerdier. Yeah. Like, nerd stuff is mainstream to the point where a movie that's, like, an action movie about a bunch of people with a good budget about a bunch of people, like, people having a fun, quippy adventure fighting monsters, it would, I think, be, like, a giant hit. It's one of those, it's kind of like Monster Squad in that it's so genre-specific, I'm like, you could be now. Yeah, totally. Because if you, like, brought this movie or Monster Squad in it, we're, like, so down for this kind of thing right now. I mean, Monster Squad, that's what they, like, they just kind of stretched it out beyond all recognition for uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Stranger Things minds a lot of its milieu from that. Yeah, it's uh, just a darker monster squad. Yeah, darker and slightly more boring. <laughs> not Well, not slightly. I, I enjoy Stranger Things. But, but Monster Squad is fun as hell. <clears throat> yeah, that movie is 90 minutes long and a fucking riot from beginning to end. I fucking yeah. love that movie. Uh, unsurprising, way, most unsurprising thing that's ever been said on this podcast is I love Monster Squad. Uh, one of the things that I found that I'm trying to hunt down for us because the Halloween store around the corner has it is Stephen King Rules shirts. <sighs> I've always wanted one of What an intersection of this podcast. seriously. That shirt is so great. What a great shirt. Like, what a great shirt. And it's so simple. It's so simple, and it became its own iconic thing, because it's like, of course, first of all, it looks like that kid made it. Yeah, it does. Then it also becomes like, well, he does. Stephen King rules. He rules. (laughs) So, yeah. Why didn't I make that shirt? Exactly. I have a Sharpie. I'll, <laughs> I'll go put it on the back of a jacket. Stephen King rules. Exactly. If I became a tagger again, statute of limitations, Steve- I could say it. <laughs> Stephen King rules would be what I sprayed on the side Hell of yeah. buildings. Oh, yeah, I wish I'd thought of that when I did. When I did. Uh, One thing I want to point out. Okay. Yes, is please. Is the way this the tentacles move, because they could very easily yes. be an octopus. Right. But they are almost snail-like. Yeah, and... What we find out later in the at the very end of the movie is that all of these tentacles that we've been seeing with these crazy mouths are actually tentacles for like an octopus for like a, a like a giant like monster like it there's a big ass fucking head that they're all attached to and a crazy so, face which like retroactively explains how like why they move and the way that they move where they're like filling spaces and like searching around and probing like hands and like tentacles it's really good uh yeah so the the everyone meets up after and there's a great there's that haunting thing in the gory room where they get they bend the door which is just a classic uh haunted thing uh they bend the door and then they have their little sit down where they're like what's going on and then they hash out who's deceiving who and all this stuff uh, Famke Jansen changes into jeans, thank God. <laughs> Rolls up a shirt. Yeah, she. I love her look. Her look is so good. <laughs> Tank top, blue overshirt, jeans. Some gu- kids. Yeah, and then she steals a gun, and, and which Treat sees and appreciates. Because, like, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when you get the first appearance of a tentacle in CG, really. And this is, like, almost an hour into the movie. Again, want to stress... Like building tension, we're not just like we are taking tangents and shit, but like 
this is legitimately like how long it takes to get to the actual monsters appearing in the movie. Because we want to build a situation and these characters before we yeah. even introduce this. Know who everybody is. Like at least all the survivors of the first Exactly. Hour. Uh, and so everyone kind of gets sorted out and then you see the tentacle and they freak out and they start shooting at it and it makes it pop and it releases poor Billy mm. who as we mentioned uh, is half eaten. And is it's sincerely one of the most disgusting special effects I've ever seen. The whole time you're looking at it, your brain's going, we're meat. We're all just meat. Yeah, Nothing matters. We're just meat. It really is. It's like, it is so primal and visceral what happens. Everything is meat. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's gross. Like, I, I can't can't really say anything other than it's just so gross you see half of his brain and like and the fact that he's freaking out and like is feeling everything yeah like he's conscious and like respond like he looks when they say his name and you're like oh no no this man isn't out of his misery he's in the middle of it exactly and like you just and that just so cements the the existential threat that the monster faces it's like it's easy to convey the physical threat of a monster. Yeah. You get, get chased by a fucking crazy thing. That's a physical threat that is really easy to convey and is easy to make scary. Yeah. But then, but like, it also needs to have that element of like, now you know what happens to you. A, Run. A little while after it gets you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it, it getting you is just the start of the bad it's not even close to how bad it will be uh it's so and it just it just adds so much tension to the like otherwise you know that's what makes it like because we were talking about what whether this is a quote unquote horror movie uh while we were watching it and uh i i think that it is pretty evenly split between being an action movie and a horror movie yeah with some sci-fi trappings but like not really like it's pretty much set in the present day yeah uh or 1998 at least uh but it like it really like that scene is what like lays the foundation for the horror like there's been gore and stuff up to that point and there's been tense scenes and people have died but, like, that's the scene where that tips it over from, like, you can't really, like, I think of it as an action movie, but I can't really argue it for it being purely an action movie. Yeah. Because it does have so many of these horror elements and these horrifying elements. Yeah. Like that. It's really disgusting. Because when the gore is there, it is classic horror. It really is. And, like, and everyone's mm. deaths are very, uh, like, impactful like it's 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 everyone it's all good it's creative there's you have a, enough time to sit yeah and like uh the thing that the way that the monsters are designed where they start off as like a little point and then they expand like Black. fingers with a mouth on the inside so that with like for instance when the captain soon after that scene gets dragged down this hole oh. he gets like you get sucked down into the monster and then you have a wonderful visual of the claws closing over the victim's head, which Ugh. is just such a great, creepy little kill. Like finished animation. up, like it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> and then like, and then you get dragged. Away. And he's gone. Yeah, it's good. Like it's 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 a nice little thing. And 
Uh, that's also the where, uh, for some reason, Anthony Heald knows everything about this random sea worm. <laughs> where I'm like, I don't care. Someone needs to say it. It might as well be him. Talk, 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 bye. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really matter what it is. For the record, it's called an Otoya, but like they're also extinct. So, you know, don't worry, folks. The deep rising monster can't actually hurt you. It can't? No, it can't. It really can't. Do you promise? I, uh, I mean, I can't make that kind of promise. Uh, but it's I, happening to me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you have been eaten, drank to death by an Otoya. And then it leads out a disgusting belch. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then after that, uh, there's a little bit more wandering around the ship. Yeah. Uh, you have. Uh, they find. The mountain of dead bodies in the and just bow, moaning sounds, which is disgusting. And then uh, that's when the boat starts to sink uh, because the hole was breached. And, and the all, fish in the bottle analogy. And, yeah, well, that, yeah, that's a little later. But like, yeah. I love this where the flood starts in the corpse room, so like all of the water is like gross corpse water <laughs> that's like ugh, flooding through all the chambers. Uh, Anthony Heald gets a chance to be a fucking scumbag a few more times. Uh, yeah, like... If you didn't hate him before. Again, like, it really... It just keeps moving. And uh, they they get to this uh, room that... Uh, it's got a classic flooded chamber scene. Yep. Where there's an unspecified distance that they have to swim underwater. And so one group goes first... It's very tense because you're underwater. It's I don't like those scenes are those scenes are wiggy. <laughs> like it's tough yeah. to watch people swim for that long. I I enjoy them just because I actually start holding my breath at a certain point and then I realize I'm yeah like, yeah oh you're doing to me what is happening on screen right exactly yeah that happens to me a lot too. Um, but yeah, and then uh, as they're going, uh, let's see, you get some more Joeyisms. He's like, can you just get asthma? Which is very funny. <laughs> Uh, I love Joey. He's good. He even now, as things get more intense, and he's still jokey. He should be annoying, but he's not. No, you need the, you need the guy to cut the tension. Uh, and they the the tentacles come after them. They run into they jump into the water. I love that every time that someone who isn't a mercenary tries to fire the insane assault rifle, they get knocked on their ass, which is very realistic. I think. Yep. Like I feel like if I ever tried to fire that insane looking assault rifle i would get knocked on my ass and i fired a gun before yeah but like with those things and especially with those guys arms and then just like every, the guns everyone else can handle versus that rifle yeah <laughs> it's crazy uh so yeah and then uh, unfortunately uh uh mason gets killed underwater mason uh he gets eaten he but he does pull a grenade uh and let it take him uh and blow it up but then you kind of find out later that, that's, that sacrifice doesn't really mean much because it's doesn't just a tentacle. It's not actually. It's the... basically like you sacrifice yourself to like save someone from getting flicked in the nose. Yeah, exactly. You got uh, you. Good job. You cut off a giant's finger. There's still a whole giant. Joey. Uh, Joey. And then Joey. You, <laughs> then you have the kitchen standoff scene, which is where Treat Williams has his wonderful monologue where he talks about. Saw a guy put a fish in a bottle and put a cork in it. And then, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody at home, maybe ever, you've probably seen the video. I mean, I've seen this video yeah. that he talks about. 
I mean, this is pre-YouTube or whatever, but, like... There's a thousand videos of someone doing of this. Of, like, so basically, like, the idea is, like, Jason Fleming wants to stay in the kitchen and, like, hole up and wait for rescue, and he's like, yeah, but, like, have you ever seen an octopus eat a fish out of a bottle? I mean... It's gonna find it. It's gonna get in. Uh, and, uh, that happens. He has a nice... Li- Jason Fleming has a... He doesn't say... It's uh, right behind me, isn't it? But, like, he might as well have said that. He's literally cheating to camera in a way where he's just doing yeah. everything possible with it's, his head. He doesn't, it. like, yeah, he, it really is great. He, like, his eyes are, like, as far to the right as they can go. And then he, like, leads with the gun over his shoulder to shoot at it. It's good. It's you expect a, him to die right then, and he yeah, doesn't, which is Gave good. a little fight. Yeah, he gives a little bit of a fight before dying. Which is only what you can do when you're in the grasp of the exactly. tentacle. Uh, and then they get split up where, uh, you know, of course, uh, Famke Jansen and Treat Williams go off together because they're having a little romp. They're having some uh, And uh, Joey and uh, Wes Studi yeah. go off to... <laughs> call it, I just can't help calling Kevin J. O'Connor Joey. That's just who he is to me. Because uh, he's Joey. But they're running away... Uh, through the flooded chamber from the tentacles, and uh, they're like they're gaining on us. And he's like the only way. And Wesley's like the only way to slow him down is to feed him. He's like, and Joey's like, all I've got is a wet stick of bubble gum, <laughs> something like that. And uh, he's like, what are we gonna feed him? And Wesley shoots him in the leg. Yep. Because uh, he's an asshole. Fuck you, Wes. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, and then eventually later on. Uh, Joey ends up surviving somehow. He escapes. Because we need Joey to yeah, survive. He has to survive. Uh, there's a couple fake out moments where you think Joey's going to die. And then it reveals Because Steven not. wants to break our hearts. Yes, it's true. He's made us fall in love with Joey. And now he wants me to think that at any moment he could take him from right. me. Uh, but then uh, he gets the last laugh because he comes upon Wes Studi. He finds him. Yep. And uh, at first you think that he's just like being his same old usual uh, stern self uh, but then you notice he's shaking and he's getting eaten alive uh, and I this I love this moment this is one of those moments that like it's just so over the top but so in character and so good where uh, Joey gives him Hanover not Wes Studi <laughs> the character's name is Hanover gives him uh, his gun He's like, don't say I never gave you anything. And uh, and he starts to walk, you know, so he, to let to let Hanover kill himself yeah. and, and end his suffering. And as Joey is walking away, Hanover shoots it at him. And he's like, you asshole! Jesus! And then that was the last bullet and he couldn't kill himself. And so he doomed himself to pain by being a dick. Which I love. That's it's great. in one moment cementing the perfect arc for a character. It really is. And, like, the whole movie is, like, he starts off as, like, super high status. He's the leader of this group. Like, he's in control of yeah. everything. And slowly as the movie goes on, he loses more and more and more control. Your men are gone. What do you have? Exactly. And, like, he f- he has to follow orders from Finnegan. And, like, it just is a really – it's a little subplot of, like, this guy just being – taken down a peg which he deserves he seems like a yeah. huge asshole big dick like first of all he's like a gun like a gun runner like he's like a total murderous psychopath yeah eat a dick dude yeah 
Uh, I'm glad that he got drank to death slowly. Like a fucking Capri Sun. Yes! Yes! I wish somebody had said that in the movie. They just they just suck you up like a Capri Sun. They get the straw right in the hole the first time every time. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, what are we missing? Uh, they set, So the plan that they come up with yep. uh, is to... Uh, since the boat can't be fixed, they've seen an island off the coast uh, in the flashes of the lightning. So they know a place that they can escape to, uh, which is key. Because otherwise they're just, like, going off into nowhere, you know? Uh, so they've seen this island, and so they're like, We're gonna, we got to get to the island, but the boat's fucked, and we can't fix it. And so they decide, the basic plan is they're going to make the boat do a U-turn with all of the missiles armed. And then blow up the fucking boat. Because fuck this ship. Fuck it. It sucks. Bad time overall. All these worms, not fun. Boat guy go. Honestly, not worth the money. Uh, and uh, so they so they program that. Uh, I, I feel like, are we missing anything uh, in there? Oh, yeah. That we um, should really talk heel, about? Um, the boat and then, well, because, fighting out about Layla. Yeah. Oh, there's that. The great scene where they, you know, Joey is like, like asks if Layla was alive, knowing that she's not, yeah. and it's played really well. Like this again, this is one of those things that where Stephen Summers, he's just like so good at knowing when to like slow down and let the moment breathe, and like let these characters actually behave like people instead of like they could just be two dimensional people who just keep moving, but instead you get that moment. You yeah. see him move on in the little montage of them getting the boat ready. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's nice. Like, you can see, it, like, very quickly and simply and purely through visuals, they convey Joey grieving and feeling sad, but knowing that he he's has got a job. To, he's got a job. He's got to do it in order to survive all this. It's good. And, like, that. those are the kinds of scenes that I feel like so, are so easy for genre filmmakers and big budget genre filmmakers to forget about yeah uh and i think that those are vital that's those are those are what make all of the rest work because you care about these people then. yeah those are the moments that make you like give a shit about the characters because they're not cartoons they're like people they're people uh there is a so there's another fake out i feel like we're missing something but there is another fake out where uh where joey they, he thinks uh, Treat Williams thinks that Joey has died. Joey, because uh, they they went and did some business on the boat uh, on the on. There's two boats. They went and did some business on the cruise ship, and then came back to the boat, and the windshields were all busted up, and there is goop on the seat, mm-hmm. and so he assumes that Joey's died, and that's another point where. He kind of sits with it and like he, he like mourns Joey and it's like man you let him have his moment well because and then also you're like man I don't want Joey to be dead Joey's cool like what, what I want more quips I, he's a fun guy like he sh- he doesn't deserve to die it makes the staying alive so much more important now where it's like do it for Joey exactly yeah we're doing it all for Joey uh, and while he's doing that I think that's when uh, Anthony Heald is like. A threatening Famke Jansen with the with the flame uh, uh, the flare gun, which I always love. 
I love when when bad guys. It's almost always bad guys. Yeah. Use flare guns as like threatening. They don't even weapons. know that it's not a fucking gun. Well, they don't even know that it's not a gun, but it still would fuck you up. Yeah. It might not kill you, but they want to hurt you. But like, it would. You wouldn't feel good. No. Flares are hot. Flares are very hot. Like, I don't want that to happen. Me neither. Like, and it does make you, and like, and he talks about it later on where he's like, uh, where he's, he's like, I don't know if this will kill you, but it'll be interesting. And you're yeah. like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what would happen. That's such a villain line. It really is. He's really like going for it, but he never, he never loses that quality, even while he's being threatened, physically threatening. He never loses that weenie quality. Yeah. He is like, he, like it's the ultimate version of using violence to compensate for a lack of masculinity. Yeah. And like, he is just like such a weenie. And he knows he's a weenie. And he knows he's a weenie and he's trying to not be a weenie. He's trying to be the hero. And in his story. In his story, even though he's obviously being the villain. Uh, and Treat Williams just scares him off. I like that Treat Williams doesn't kill him. No. Uh, again. He's none, not trying to. The good guys don't kill people in this movie, which is great. Like, and it doesn't feel forced at all. It feels like if they had to, he would. But he doesn't want to do that. But he, do, he would rather not. And so he's able to just scare him off with the gun. And then he kills himself by uh, jumping and breaking his leg on jumping onto the boat. And it's a great break. Oh, it's such a gross compound fracture. It's so gross. And he screams like a baby. Because that's what happens when you that's break that what, leg. That's what you would do, but it also just reinforces the weeniness. He's a weenie. <laughs> he really is. Uh, and he gets into the pilot seat and fiddles with the joystick. It's very funny. He, like, throws it up in the air in front of him. Like, how ship? Uh, and uh, then the it, the boat U-turns. And while that's happening, uh, Treat has his big encounter with the big boss monster, which is like, I like how abbreviated this is. It doesn't need to be that long. We're like, it would be unrealistic if now in the last act of the movie, if he becomes like some superhero who can kill this giant monster completely. Yeah. He doesn't kill him. No. I mean, he does eventually because he blows up the boat. But, like, uh, all he does, like, he gets caught and then he shoots it in the eye with a shotgun to get away. And then they have a cool jet ski chase. And that's the, the finale action. It's not fighting the monster. It's getting away. It's getting away. It's escaping. And that's so much more exciting. Putting his gun over his shoulder. And then she uh, cocks the yes. gun. Oh, it's so cool. Fucking jet ski chase through the halls of a cruise ship is cool. Period. End of sentiment. Yep. It's just cool. It's just awesome. It's just, if you looked up cool in the dictionary, it'll literally just be like, you remember that jet ski chase from Deep Rising yeah, there's where they did the thing with a gun and it goes... Yeah, exactly. It's like that. It's that and the motorcycle chase in T2. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which also involves cool shotgun cocking. Yeah. Shotgun is an extremely versatile uh, weapon. It looks cool It does. Always. It's because it's so big. I just got a fake one at a garage sale, and I could not stop playing with They're it. They're cool. I was just running around my apartment, just like... Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, uh, uh, they they have the, the boat chase, and then the boat starts blowing up, uh, and then 
they are getting chased by fire through the halls now uh, because the monster explodes in a CGI explosion. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, it's 1998, yeah. whatever. Uh, and they go to the island. And uh, yeah, so yeah, then they jump off and they ride the jet ski to an island uh, and they have a little kiss and they're like, you know, they're like, oh, we're stuck on this island. Hey, we're going to have sex. <laughs> and that's what they say. Yeah. Uh, and then who shows up on the surfboard? Joey! Yay! <laughs> and like... Because we can't take Joey away. How are you not on your feet cheering and clapping when Joey shows up on the surfboard? fucking Joey. He's got this whole story about how he got chased off the boat. He had this whole other movie happen to him. Because uh, it's Joey. Yeah, it's great. Like, it's just, it's just pure crowd-pleasing at the end. Again, I'm like, I don't understand how you don't come out of this movie just, like, so fucking jazzed because Joey is alive. They gave and, me back my Joey. And all the good guys live, and, like, except for Layla. R.I.P. Layla. One good, Layla. One good person had to die. Uh, and then, like, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, just when they thought they were safe on a deserted tropical island, what happens? But some crazy creature roars off in the distance and they're like what and then the camera like zooms out like a giant crane shot and it's like where are they they're on crazy island it's basically kong skull island before there is one ah well i mean it would be way after because skull island was uh skull island was invented in 1930 I meant the movie itself. <laughs> I know there's no Skull Island. Um, yeah, and there's like a giant volcano, and I'm, I'm, you're just like, it's just great. It's such a go, like go for broken thing. And I'm like, I want ten of these movies. Why have? Why don't I have a, a DVD collection of all of these movies? I need more right now, and it's uh, honestly a crime God that there isn't. Damn it! I fucking love Deep Rising, and I hate Hollywood. Oh, I love it so much. I really this movie just makes me so deeply happy. A Deep Rising joy. It is. It really is. Uh, oh my god. And I just bask in the glow. And that's what happens. And then immediately, mic drop. Written and directed by Steven Summers. Hell yeah, man. He knows what he Hell yeah. did. And, but then, like, he knows what he did. And it didn't, didn't do well. It, I, I can't, it, like, I really just think it was just like a totally, it just came out at the wrong time. Even though it is a 90s ass movie. It is, it, like, the quintessential 90s. It was right before we were ready for genre. It really, like, it just, I think, yeah, it was too... It was, too, like, a year early. It was too R-rated. It was too crazy. It was too wild. Although I do think, except they would have to tone down the the Billy scene yeah. a little bit. But, like, if they released it today, I think it would be a PG-13. Yeah. If, if, like, minorly toned down. Because it's, like, it's mostly just a romp. Yeah. Like, it... I really can't be stressed, like, it's a movie that has, it's, again, we've talked, we've mentioned this before, when it's violent, it is so violent. Like. Jarringly violent. Yeah, very jarringly violent. But, like, but, including the violence, everything is handled with just such a light touch. And, like, it it never lets itself 
get carried away by the dark elements. Mm. It's always there with a quip or a fun character moment or, you know, some sort of upbeat action scene or something. It's just, it's, I, it really is like a, just a finely tuned movie. Like, these are, you know, these kinds of movies, they don't come around very often anymore. Yeah. I talk, you know, I think a lot about like, I love a good blockbuster. I love a blockbuster that like, is solidly structured and makes sense as a movie and like stands on its own two feet and is like it knows what it's doing and it only and it only sets out to achieve these goals it's like this movie's like what an hour and 46 minutes long or something Mm -hmm. like that and like it's just it knows what it's it knows what it is it's having fun with it it's having a blast uh i really it just is so much it's so good Mm. I think it's 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 one of my all time favorite gets movies. you pumped every time. I am just so happy whenever I'm watching it. I re- like and just thinking about it makes me so happy. I love that it exists. Uh, I wish <laughs> that it had made money. Like it really is baffling to me. Like that's just that's just what it all comes down to. Is I just am like I, I I felt the same way when I watched it when I was eleven. I feel the same way when I watch it now. I'm like I don't understand yeah. how this didn't make. At least make its budget back. Like it, it's not like it cost a ton. It's nuts. It's nuts. Ugh. Good movie. Deep rising, guys. Good. Deep movie. rising. I feel like I've been talking about this movie my entire life, and I'm, I'm glad I finally get to dedicate some actual time. Thank you. Because I really love it. I just I love it so much. I that's the real takeaway. <laughs> it's like one of my all-time favorite things. Basically, if you've listened to this episode and you haven't watched it yet or begin to bought it, I'm mad at all of you. You guys, I mean, honestly, it's worth it's worth spending money on. Uh, it's worth seeking out. Um, it is unfortunately not available for free on any streaming platforms. It'd be cool. I mean, like, I think it would do really well on Netflix. I think it'd be great on Netflix. Uh, you know. I think, Ask Netflix for Deep Rising. Yeah, like, I think it would do really... It used to be on HBO, it oh, might probably. still be on HBO, uh, like on on the streaming. Mm. So uh, if you've got HBO, you might check and see if it's still up there. It was there yeah. for like a year, and I, I was always very happy about that. Um, God damn, Treat Williams, man, Treat should have been a fuck. Like he deserved his action star moment. Yeah, he, he should, we have, should have, a have more treat. Let him be the new Liam Neeson. We get Liam Neeson broke. We're, Bring back we, treat. We've got this broken old Liam Neeson who doesn't work and talks about wandering the streets at night wanting to kill black people. Let's get a new Liam Neeson. Yeah. Treat Williams. Uh, he's worked with Fomke before. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Oh, what if they team back up? Uh, or what if, like, the next movie is, like, set, like, 22 years after that one and we never see what happened on the island, but they're just like, Oh my god, that fucking island. Yep. <laughs> if that's just like in the backstory of their pattern, like it would be so fucking fun. I, I need it. Uh, and and Steven Summers, unfortunately, he is like he is the definition of a hit or miss director. Mm. Uh he's when he hits, he hits it out of the fucking park. Nails it. Like uh when it's like when it's Deep Rising, when it's The Mummy. Like these movies are great pieces of blockbuster filmmaking uh but then like he's also made a bunch of bullshit that yeah. is not very good which is i can't i can't even like find redeeming no like he, like he directed the scorpion king 
which is a terrible movie. But the mummy's so good. He also directed The Mummy Returns, which is not very good. Uh, and his last movie was Odd Thomas, which was a pretty fun adaptation of a Dean Koontz novel. But it wasn't going to do well. Well, no, it was never destined to do well. I think it went direct to video. Yep. And, like, it starred Anton Yelkin, who was, who was very good in it. And R. it was... And you could... You actually... I, uh, it, you could probably find that streaming for yeah. me pretty easily. Uh, and it had a little bit of that Stephen Summers magic to it. Yeah. It had... But like it just I want wasn't, another movie. It just I want another wasn't Stephen Summers movie. So bad. yeah, Stephen Summers, make another movie, please. You've got two big fans right here. Yeah, like I'll go see whatever you make. Seriously, yeah. like, uh, man, just imagine if they went back to Deep Rising. I, that's, I that would give be, me that island. That would be it's time. Maybe the most insane movie reveal <laughs> of all time. I mean, Shaft got a sequel. Shaft Shaft got a sequel nineteen years later. That is true, and it's gonna. That movie looks weird. I can't tell if it's going to be wait. great or if it's going to be, uh, like, awful. I'm in. Uh, I like the idea of all of the people who played Shaft actually being related. It's such a weird and funny idea. I'm so into it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very into it, but <laughs> it is very weird. And I don't think that uh, Richard Roundtree is that much older than Samuel L. Jackson. We could Samuel it. L. Jackson is a old man. Oh, we just tried to pass off Nicholas Holt in an X-Men movie as a 50-year-old. We could do whatever the fuck we want. Was that what happened in Dark Phoenix? Yeah. Oh, I have not watched Dark Phoenix, and I probably won't. He's supposed to be almost 50, and he's still Nicholas Holt. Really? Yep. They go that far ahead? Mm-hmm. But Sophie Turner still looks like she's I don't want to 18. spoil this for any of you, but there's some timeline stuff. Uh, really? Yeah. But it's Dark Phoenix. Yep. <sighs> that movie... This is twice now yep. that they have just completely completely fucked up one of what should be the easiest comic book adaptations that you could possibly make like it is all there in the material yeah it god damn at least this way we just get to nuke it from the ground up i guess I, i i can't be optimistic about any aspect of the fox disney merger that's just so bad for like life on this planet oh in many ways. <laughs> it's like it's like an existentially bad business decision but like uh, yeah so it's hard for me to get too excited about the idea of a new x-men movie but i am excited about all of you watching deep rising yeah everyone everybody should watch deep rising it's such a great film so we're still waiting on some news okay yeah uh, yeah yeah let's talk a little bit about the future of the po- should we what should we talk about when it comes to the future of the podcast because i don't want to just keep teasing but we can't necessarily go into full detail we can probably tease for another week uh <laughs> well i want to say like so we're still dedicated to talking about these kind like deep rising is a foundational movie for, for this, this podcast. podcast like this is a movie that when i was think when we were thinking of what kind of podcast that we wanted to do and thinking of like, I knew that if I, if we were going to do a podcast that talked about movies, I had to talk about deep rising. Mm-hmm. It's I just have always we had wanted to. to, there's another one down the line also, where it's like, uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about Southland tales. Oh, absolutely. That's another one where I'm like, I have to talk about, I have to talk about this. Uh, and, and I know that you've got like a, a list. It's like, I got to talk about yeah. this. And that is, that's something that we want to continue on and keep doing. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we've had some fun new opportunities come up that might encourage us to 
maybe change things up and alternate uh, topics. Yeah. And uh, might be going into some more long-form miniseries where we're going a little bit more in-depth into specific more specific topics yeah or not even topics but like creators and that sort of thing and trying to go through and kind of get an idea of uh the uh, companies that make movies and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh and so uh that you know not god i gotta be cryptic because we're like literally we don't want to blow money fucking Uh. literally tomorrow like we're going to be having a phone call about hopefully like uh, the fun new stuff happening but like yeah so uh and it would be cool hopefully uh i'm I'm very excited about what's coming forward but also i don't want to keep like leading you guys along who have been with us since the beginning and through all of the rough patches that have come so far, and I'm sure will come again because uh, we're rough people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So because we we were hoping to be able to move into that new, that new phase by the next episode, but things take this. a while, so yes. we're gonna have to stall for a little bit. Longer. Time happens. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's fucking. Hollywood, baby. <laughs> so, like, you know, uh, so next we're gonna vamp. We haven't quite said we've got a couple things that we're kind of floating around of what we'll be doing for next week's episode. Uh, but like, yeah, uh, we haven't really figured out exactly what it's gonna be, but it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll it'll be a, it'll be a good time. It'll uh, be a romp. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so, uh, we hope you'll, we hope you'll join us again. Uh, it'll be hopefully something that we love just as much as Deep Oh, it's Rising, gonna be. Which I, it will be, but it's tough, cause man, I love this movie. Oh, we'll find something. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so right now we're kind of, hopefully only one more episode of just kind of whatever, and then we'll be able to actually talk about shit, uh, and, but maybe it might be more and we don't mm-hmm. know. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, where can the people find you? All right, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at hi there hidar. Uh, yeah, and um, you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at lowcomphenom. Uh, we can also find me on at nesgridden on all forms of social media. Uh, and as always, thinking our artists. Well, yes, uh, definitely. Thank you to Luke Van Trest for our yep. theme song, uh, as always, and thank you to Jorge Riverall for our artwork. Uh, it's it's tremendous work, guys. Everything he does is beautiful. We, we love you so much. Like we really do appreciate you, uh, and we appreciate all of you who listen. Uh, please, uh, I'm gonna kiss you all in the nose. Please rate, review, subscribe. Give us some subscriptions. Give us yeah. some ratings on iTunes. Uh, we would love to see that kind of thing. Draw Olivia Sidak I, I and promise send it to me. I will read your your dumb review on air. <laughs> we'll read anything. I don't care. Whatever it is, I'll read it. Uh, I'd love to see that. Um, so yeah. Uh, and as always, thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, and uh, we love you, and we will see you soon. We love you. Bye. Bye.